Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades. And in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the U.S. in California. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Just send email to radio at lsm.org. Now let's join today's show. Much of the history in the Old Testament concerns the great failures and sins of the children of Israel. They were all the time disobedient to the Lord, transgressing His laws and straying far from Him in their deeds and actions. Yet in Jeremiah, we get a clear window into how God interprets and evaluates the failures of His people. In chapter 2, He tells Jeremiah of the two great evils committed by Israel, His people. What would he enumerate above all the others? Well, the answer reveals much about God's heart and about our own living before him. Bill Lawson has joined us for our second program now in this uh, new life study of Jeremiah. Good to have you here, Bill. It's good, Chris, to be here to look into this wonderful book of Jeremiah. We had a good opening, good beginning with Francis. Of course, we realized once again that when these prophets were raised up, these great Old Testament prophets... We always tend to somewhat put them on a pedestal and uh, wonder and wish there were such great uh, men of God today, but that was really an indication of a degraded situation among God's people, a low condition among God's people generally, which necessitated him raising up at least some to be a herald and to be one with him in his dealing with the people. So it's not quite what we envision, is it? That's right. Surely they were God's spokesman and mouthpiece for God to speak concerning the situation of his people and what God desired them to do and uh, to turn back and repent and come back to God. Well, this particular period of time, during Jeremiah's 41 years of service and ministry, a particularly low time in the history of Israel. We'll see as we're in this live study, at least three different occasions, Israel was carried away into exile. And of course, the final, the third, was the great carrying away into the Babylonian captivity. So this was a very low time, and it had been characterized by much idolatry, many evils and sins. And yet, as we turn in this second message now, when we're still in the kind of the broad overview phase of this life study, we haven't really begun to sort of plow through yet. So we're touching a few of the high points uh, in these early programs. But today, particularly in chapter two, we really see what is in the Lord's heart as to the serious, the most serious transgression or evil, as he says. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, which hold no water. I can relate to that. How about you, Bill? 
<laughs> really so. This verse in Jeremiah 2.13 is quite a striking evaluation by God. I think when we look at the devastation and how far away God's people had gone from God, that we would never consider or evaluate the situation that the Lord would use, mm-hmm. broken cisterns yeah. and things like this, to describe the condition of his people Israel's, and this is exactly what we are like today when we're away from the Lord, when we've forsaken him, we've given him up, we've gone after other things, we don't give him our first love, then we become those broken cisterns ourselves. And uh, we'll hear in this first portion just ahead, Witness Lee make reference to the fact that the Lord Jesus himself alludes back to this word in John chapter 4 when he's talking to that very thirsty, sinful woman, another one who had forsaken and hewn out her own cisterns, none of which were holding water for her. So this is a condition that is not just applicable to the children of Israel in their uh, desperateness, in their poor condition, but it's really something I think we have all experienced at one time or another, and most of mankind is caught up in this verse. Another verse we would read to uh, give a good background here, also in chapter 2, verse 28, but where are your gods whom you made for yourselves? Let them arise if they can save you in the time of your trouble. For according to the number of your cities are your gods, O Judah. Well, the condition is poor, but what is revealed out of this deprived, deplorable state among God's people is really quite marvelous, as we'll see today. Here's Witness Lee with our first portion. The Suntosaut of this book is God of love in his everlasting love earnestly yearns that Israel, his beloved yet distracted elect, beloved yet distracted by so many idols, God earnestly yearns that this Israel would turn to him from the other gods, all of their idols, that they may gain his incarnated Christ. How do I know Christ is incarnate? Because Christ will be the shoot, the descendant of David. That means he will become flesh, a man in the flesh. This is incarnated Christ. This Christ will be their righteousness of Jehovah. That means this Christ will be God as righteousness to them. Okay, let's read the banner. You know, all the banners are quotations from the book. Israel, well, don't you believe this altogether New Testament thought? Fountain of living waters is not this thought in the New Testament. Then, <laughs> cisterns hold no water. This is the same thought as the Lord Jesus had in John 4. Living waters will well up or will spring within you. This is a fountain. My people have committed two evils. I do believe Jeremiah was writing this with tears. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of the living water. I'm just a fountain of living water to them, but they forsake me, number one. And number two, to hew out, to work hard 
cisterns yet all the cisterns don't hold water. Bill, I love John chapter 4. The Lord Jesus says to this sinful, thirsty woman, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall by no means thirst forever, but the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water gushing up unto eternal life. So the Lord seemed to recognize with this woman that the cause of her sinful condition was not just that she was disobedient. There was something fundamentally wrong within her. Same with the children of Israel, it seems, here in the time of Jeremiah, and maybe perhaps in our own lives. Why don't you pick up that point? Yes, it's interesting, Chris, that uh, Brother Lee makes this parallel between Jeremiah chapter 2 and John chapter 4. In Jeremiah chapter 2 there, you have this matter of my children, you might say my people, God had much great compassion for his people, yet the people that he created, the nation of Israel that he had chosen as his elect, they had absolutely forsaken him in every way. Uh, They were not for him. They were in unbelief. Their people were a mess, the priests, the kings, the princes, and so on. The society was filled with darkness, with lying, stealing. It was a total chaos among his people. And surely he used Jeremiah to reflect that lamentation of how much he grieved after his people that he created. In the same sense, in the New Testament age, that Samaritan woman also was in the same state. Even though she was a Samaritan, somewhat mixed between Gentile and Jew, she also reflected a kind of people that were on the earth at the time of Christ. At that time, she also had tried five husbands and then was living with the sixth one. So she was in the same state as the people that Jeremiah lamented about centuries earlier. She had forsaken the Lord. She was hewing out her own cisterns, and there was no water, no enjoyment of the Lord or anything. This is really fundamentally the problem with mankind. There is a shortage of the fountain of living waters, and this is the ultimate promise of what God wants to be to all of his people, right? Right. He wants to be the real fountain, the real source of enjoyment, of grace, and everything to us. And when we turn away from the Lord and we try even to live the Christian life by ourselves, in a sense, we're forsaking him because he is a living water to us. And then we take our own way. We try to be good. We try to live the Christian life in ourselves, And we sense that that holds no water. There's no water. There's no enjoyment of the Lord. And this is our real situation. You use the word lamentation, of course, uh, following the book of Jeremiah is Jeremiah's second book called Lamentations, and he is full of lament over the degradation and the poverty uh, that had uh, inflicted God's people, Israel. We somewhat treat these books uh, in this life study almost as one book or a continuation, uh, Lamentations being a continuation. But in the midst of this, in chapter 3 of Lamentations, Jeremiah utters something quite marvelous, and I think it's a good time to point it out here. It's really what we'll focus on in this next segment. It is Jehovah's loving kindness, he writes in chapter 3 of Lamentations, verse 22, that we are not consumed, for his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Jehovah is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Jehovah is good to those who wait on him, to the soul that seeks him. So even in the midst of this poor condition, Bill, as we'll hear from our brother, there's a portion 
from Jehovah to those who seek him. Now, the second one. It is... It is Jehovah's loving kindness that we are not consumed. For his compassions, you have the two words, mercy and compassion. Mercy is our expression. Compassion is inward failing. Because his tender feeling, his tender care does not fail, so we are not consumed. If his tender care for us fails, then we are finished. We are consumed. They are new. What are new? The compassions, the tender cares are new every morning. This is just like the dew, the morning dew. Every morning the dew is new. Right away, he changed the pronoun to they, to away from plural to singular. Jehovah is my Jehovah is his portion, very personal, my portion, therefore I hope in him. Even I saw all the children of Israel got exiled, it seems they'll be finished, but I still have the hope in him, in whom, in the one who loves, with loving kindness who has compassion, tender feeling to us. I have hope in him. He is God, not only to me, but to those who wait on him. Bill, uh, surely this must have been a low point, even for Jeremiah. He'd been through a number of exiles by now. And at this time, the whole situation seems utterly lost. Jerusalem, by now, I believe, was probably in a shambles, right? Right. Temple destroyed. Children of Israel carried fully into captivity. It must have seemed, as far as God's interests on the earth were concerned to Jeremiah, everything is a loss. Yet, here, in the midst of this, he still finds his sustenance in the faithful one whose compassions never fail. It's quite a story, and there's quite an application even for us, isn't there? Right, Chris, Lamentations 3 is a very interesting portion. Jeremiah begins and it says, It is Jehovah's loving kindness that we are not consumed. So he's no doubt lamenting and he's empathizing in a sense with the nation of Israel. He's including himself that we, himself and the nation of Israel, are not consumed because of Jehovah's loving kindness. The Lord at any time could just completely abandon them and they would have no hope and we would all be finished. But it's interesting here that in spite of the worst scenario, sometimes in our job, in our home situation, in our church situation, things around us seem to be falling apart. Yet in the midst of all that, Jeremiah really had a view that kept him and preserved him. And eventually he changed the pronoun from we to my, right? It says here, Jehovah is my portion. That means despite all the despair and distress and chaos around us all the time, we have to realize that the Lord Jehovah is our personal portion. 
So this is Jeremiah's word. It's a tremendous supply to all the believers, especially those who have gone through hardships, gone through difficult situations, that yet we can still say, Lord, you're my portion, and you're my portion forever. It's marvelous. It is marvelous. Jeremiah had this characteristic of also being tender-hearted, and this matched God to the extent that in this uh, circumstance, in this context, he was such a match to the Lord that the Lord was able to use him to convey his thought, his burden for Israel, even in this dark and low time. Now, as Jeremiah is bringing forth these prophecies, it seemed to him, no doubt, that he was prophesying just to the nation of Israel. And in a sense, that's true. There's a direct relatedness between Israel and the prophecies Jeremiah is uttering. Yet, as we just heard on a couple of occasions already, we see a number of the great underpinnings of the New Testament come forth in Jeremiah's speaking, which probably to his realization he had no thought of, but to us there's a marvelous application. And those are a central focus in this book of Jeremiah. A couple of them let's talk about here, and Witness Lee will refer to them briefly. In chapter 23 of Jeremiah, Indeed, days are coming, declares Jehovah, when I will raise up to David a righteous shoot, and he will reign as king and act prudently, and will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called Jehovah, our righteousness. Clearly, Bill, a reference to Christ here, isn't it? That's right, the coming Christ. And then in chapter 31, a portion that Paul quotes in his writings in the New Testament, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares Jehovah. I will put my law within them and write it upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will no longer teach each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know Jehovah, for all of them will know me. From the little one among them, even to the greatest one among them, declares Jehovah, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Here, clearly alluding to the coming new covenant. That's our portion today and will be the portion of the children of Israel even in the future. Right. Let's go back to Witness Lee. A righteous shoot will be raised up to David. David, all his descendants became so evil. One after the other, all got captured to Babylon. It seems no more king out of David's tribe. But one day will come. God will raise up his just righteous one. Righteous shoot. Right? A new branch who is righteous. This is Christ incarnated in the flesh to be a son in the flesh of David. And he will reign as the king. When? Millennial time. This refers to millennium. And act prudently. Christ will act prudently in what? In his resurrection. In his resurrection, he will act wisely. And his name will be called, he does have something to do with us, because his name will be called Jehovah, our righteousness. Not only the righteousness of Jehovah, but Jehovah, our righteousness. He has too much to do with us. He becomes one with us, so he becomes the very Jehovah to be our righteousness. This is all to get New Testament. 
I will put my love within there and write the love upon their heart. Is this a law? Just a law? No, but the divine life. I will put my life into them. And with this life, there is the law. Actually, this life is a law. We got a top life, the divine life. And this divine life within us is an inner law to regulate us. And this was not only put into our spirit, but it will be inscribed, written on our hearts. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. Why we are different from the other today? Because we have the inner now, with the capacity that we know God. We just act, behave, and condemn as ourselves according to the inner feeling, right? This is the life law. This is the life capacity. This is the life ability. And all Israel will be the same as we are today with God. So they will become the new creation as we are today. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. This is new covenant. How marvelous is this Old Testament book, Bill, with all of these uh, unfoldings of the great realities, not just truths, but experiential realities of the New Testament. we got about two and a half minutes, and you've got the, the incarnation of Christ, him sitting and reigning in the millennial kingdom, and the New Covenant. Uh, take your pick, Bill. Wow. <laughs> There's so much here, especially in Jeremiah chapter 23. It says, indeed, days are coming, declares Jehovah, when I will raise up to David a righteous shoot. We all know that righteous shoot, the shoot of David, is Christ himself in his incarnation. Right. Christ, as the son of David, came about a thousand years after David. And then, of course, the Jews did not receive him. They rejected this righteous shoot. And because the Jews rejected him, he went to the Gentiles And we received him. We believed in him. He became our righteousness. He also is the very one who enters into us as our life and life supply. Right. So according to that new covenant that uh, Jeremiah spoke about, we first, as believers in Christ, we first got the opportunity to enjoy that covenant. He said that he will remember our sins and iniquities no longer. We have the ability to know God now in an inward way. He writes upon us his new laws and even imparts those laws of life into us so that now we become his people and he becomes our God. So you have that fourfold blessing of the new covenant that we enjoy today. Before the Jews. Right, before the Jews get to enjoy this. But eventually at the end of this age, the book of Zechariah chapter 12 tells us that the Jews, they will eventually at the very end before they're all slaughtered by the Antichrist, one-third of the Jews will be brought through that fire, and just before the Lord Jesus comes back, they will recognize Christ as their Savior, and the, the Lord's righteousness will then be applied to them. He will regenerate them, he will enter into them, and then they will get to enjoy all that Christ is that Jeremiah foretold mm. after we 
have already believed in him, we enjoy all that Christ is. So ultimately, this prophecy is fulfilled both uh, to the nation, the children of Israel, as he was speaking directly, uh, those of us who have been able to enjoy this under this provision that he made by turning to the Gentiles. Marvelous uh, in God's economy, isn't it? It's really marvelous that at the end of the age of the church, the Lord comes back to the Jews Uh. who finally believe they're regenerated, they're saved. Then they begin to enjoy him as a fountain of living waters. The believing Jews and the believing Gentiles, the overcomers, they enter into the millennial kingdom together to really enjoy Christ as the fountain of living waters. Yeah, we'll have that thousand years together with our Jewish brothers by that time, (laughs) enjoying uh, this fountain of living waters. Living Waters, the one that never runs dry. That's right. Our time is over, and we need to give you quickly our toll-free number. If you want to get in touch with us right away, we can get to you this volume of the Life Study of Jeremiah and Lamentations. Then you can have it to follow along with us each day. So call us, our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Bill Lawson, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.